0: Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. This week, we had a guest speaker join us and share a word. The following episode was recorded live during Sunday's service. Let's ask the Lord to be with us, shall we? Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are. It is not about me, but yet you use me. It is not about us, Lord, but you use us, God. You have chosen us. We are a chosen people. We are an impossible thing restored and redeemed and renewed and saved and sanctified, set apart for your purpose, God. And that's what we want to be this morning. That's all we want to be. We lay it down just like we sing in worship this morning. I give you everything, Lord. Everything, God. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. And Lord, I just ask that as we approach your word this morning, it would be um, Holy Spirit translation. That every heart would receive exactly what they're supposed to, Lord. Because I sure don't know how to do that, but you do. And so, Father, I trust you with that this morning, and I thank you, and I praise you, and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen, hallelujah. So a couple of things that you should know about me is that I'm fairly new to pastoral ministry. I have been serving as in outreach for several, four, five, four years probably, And I've been a believer since I was 20, so 23 years, right? Do the math. Um, But the thing is that the Lord has been taking me from one place to the other all this time, right? Because you kind of move through seasons, and in those seasons, he kind of, if you're willing, he propels you forward into a new thing because he's the author of new things, which is exciting, and I so love that about him. Um, But this particular season of pastoral ministry has been pretty recent and, and frankly, quite a surprise. At no time in my life did I think, I'm going to be a pastor someday. That never, ever crossed my mind. And that is the joy of what God is able to do. Surprise, right? You're a pastor. Why? Because I called you and I chose you for that purpose. Does anybody love Ephesians 2.10? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do those things that he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Does it thrill your soul to know that the Lord has prepared works for you beforehand, that you should walk in them? The steps are already laid out, and you don't have to know exactly what that looks like because he does. Isn't that exciting? (sighs) Am I the most excited person in the room today? I wouldn't be surprised, for the record. Because there's no greater joy than approaching God's word and to be known and to be loved by the God of the universe, the Lord of hosts, the King of kings. That tickles my soul. I mean, I am, I am blessed beyond measure that he knows my name. And I'm blessed beyond measure on your behalf because he knows your names too. And he knows every piece and every part, and he knows every place that you've ever come from, everywhere you've been, everything you're right in the middle of now, and where you're headed for your future. God knows all that. And so we're constantly, constantly pressed by the Spirit to trust him, right? Can we trust him? Lord, will I trust you? And so think about that as we are talking about his precious word this morning Having been somewhat new to pastoral ministry, there are a couple of things that I've really noticed because it's a different world. And the first thing is that Sunday mornings, what you're trying to do is narrow this great big God down into a 20 to 30 minute message. And I'm telling you, that's just not going to work. If you approach the word, as you approach the word, because I'm trusting that you do, the more you approach God's word, the more you know he's so much bigger. He's so much more than you ever thought he was. And so every week I'm like, Lord, show me what to say. Show me your heart this week. And I'm I'm standing in this place where I'm confronted with the bigness of God compared to to the minuscule amount of time I have to talk about him. I can't even. Like, in this message, these scriptures, I could go on and on. But I can't go on and on, right? I have a timeline. It's impossible to narrow. And that's exactly why your pastor, our awesome Pastor Jay, is always reminding you to be in the word. Do not... Fall for the lie that you can come on Sunday and get all of God because there's just no way. We can search and study for him all day, every day, and still never approach the fullness of his, his form and the mystery of his awesome nature. We just can't do it. So that's my challenge this morning. And the other thing that I really notice is that, to be honest with you, Pastoring is a hint confrontational, and I don't mean that in a negative way. What I mean is that as a shepherd of a flock, our business is to protect, encourage, exhort, and affirm those in our flock. And I'm part of the flock, right? I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm in his fold, and so I have people in my life that are affirming me and pushing me forward and mentoring me and keeping me accountable. I'm not any different. And I need those people to press into my world and say, hey, Mel, what about this? Have you thought about that? Or maybe you should consider this. And so don't take the accountability of your fellow believer as a negative because it's a it's a tool that the Lord uses to move you forward into this beautiful season that God has in store for you even if it doesn't feel beautiful. And so the word that he gave me this morning I've been arguing with him all week. That's not a lie. <laughs> and one of my friends last night said, "Gee, I wonder who's going to win." Right? She's right. He always wins. And the reason I've been arguing with the Lord about it is because it seems a little pressy to me. But then, as always, the Holy Spirit rushes in and reveals his grace. He reveals his friendship with me, with you, with us as his body of believers. And the expectation on us as pastoral staff is to minister to you in a way that keeps you healthy and strong in the faith so that you can walk in those things that the Lord Jesus prepared beforehand, that you should walk in them, right? So let's approach the word this morning in Luke chapter 13. We're going to talk this morning about the intersection of temporal and eternal. And this is not a cool name, right? Like, if you're going to pick a sermon name, this is not it. And David actually made me give him a sermon name. And I'm like, David, I've been asking all week for a sermon name, and this is all I have. (laughs) The Lord has only given me this. But there's a specific reason for that, and we're going to look at that. So Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of Jesus, right? He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. Have we heard this story before? Indignation. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work, therefore come and be healed on them, not on the Sabbath day. What are you thinking, being healed today, right? And the Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from a stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan had bound, and Jesus even says this, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. This is our Jesus. And I would submit to you, and we'll we'll continue this discussion, there's an intersection of today and eternity here. And that is no different than us today. Today are today intersecting with eternity. I wonder if you've ever heard that phrase, because it's usually on like the Facebook meme, which I only know the word meme because of my kids. That's a real deal. I don't know. Kind of say it with fear because I'm not even sure I'm using it in the right context. But the fact is that my sons say it's a meme. So on Facebook, you see this big picture and it has these words, be the change you want to see in the world, right? Have you ever seen that, heard that? The rest of you are not on Facebook, (laughs) obviously. Be the change you want to see in the world. And the thing is that when we're talking about the intersection of today and eternity, the temporal and the eternal, we're actually talking about choice. Because if you want to be the change you see in the world, it's like a command on Facebook, right? Go be. But if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, you have to be willing to become the change that you want to see in the world. And nobody knows that better than Jesus. Because he, king of kings, lord of lords, seated on the throne with the father, comes down to dust and grime and pain and wounds and lies and spit and a cross. He already was the change, but what he came to do in that season, in those years, those 33 years, is to help us to understand that we can become the change. And we can't do it by our own will or like, you know, that pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Have you ever tried to like change yourself? (laughs) Okay, if you say no, I'm sorry. I think you're probably lying because I, of all people, know that we are constantly, I am constantly picking on things inside of me. Okay, you're not lying, maybe. I feel bad. I just called everybody liars. Sorry, Lord. But the point is that we can all see something inside of ourselves that we don't like. I sure wish I wasn't like this. I sure wish I wasn't hot-tempered. I sure wish I didn't have this problem. I sure wish I was healthier. I had I wasn't addicted, right? Do we hear about that? Do we see that in our world today? And the fact of the matter is that it's a process for us to become changed and we have to let Jesus do it. Because we're not strong enough. There is not enough self-will to make most people. What is the statistic of people who join a, a fitness club in January 2nd who make it all the way through the end of the year. So slim. I don't know. I didn't Google it. But if you do, you'll know it's so slim because we don't have what it takes to make ourselves be what we're not. We have to have a supernatural influence in our lives to make us different. And you see this in this little woman. Now, I want you to know that he calls her a daughter of Abraham. And did you know that in the book of Isaiah 41, the Lord says, he's speaking to Jacob, but he says, you are the offspring of Abraham, my friend. And so when you think about the way God feels about his friend, Abraham, and this is his friend's precious daughter, There is a love here that caused him to leave the heavenly throne. He came to her. He came for her. Isn't that amazing? I think it is. And so this change that she is becoming is because of Jesus, not because of her. Do you think she would live 18 years with an infirmity and she can't? stand up straight if she had the ability to make herself upright? Of course not. No one would. And so when we're bent and we're broken under the weight of that spirit, that thing, that fear, that whatever, it's silly. (laughs) I'm calling it out. It's silly to think you can do it on your own. You can't. None of us can. But what we can do is receive the power and the love of Jesus. Because that's what makes the difference. Verse 12, when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. This is an unsolicited request. This is a healing that happens because Jesus wanted it to happen. Not because she begged him. Not because she pleaded. And we, and we see that in the New Testament. We see people falling on him. Lord, please help me. Heal me of this blindness. Heal me of this infirmity. The woman with the issue of blood, if I could just touch his robe, I would be healed. But this is not that. This is this precious divine intervention where Jesus says, I came for you, and it's your day. Eighteen years. Eighteen long years. And if she was at the synagogue that morning or day, you know she'd been there before. She did not allow that infirmity to stop her. She did not allow that infirmity to keep her at home. She was not expecting a healing. She didn't get up that morning and say, I'm going to go to the synagogue today and Jesus is going to heal me. She had no idea. There's this intersection with the power of Jesus and the love of Jesus that changed her world forever. Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. You're free. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Look what he did for me. And don't you know that's exactly what she does? She jumps up and glorifies God. The word says she glorified God. Look what he did for me. I could shout it from the rooftops. I'm the impossible thing. I'm the impossible thing. You're the impossible thing. She is the impossible thing. I want to look at Revelation chapter 22 if you don't mind, because we're going to take a look at the other side of this coin. And I love the book of Revelation. I read it frequently. I do not promise to understand it. I don't even claim, I don't pretend to understand all of the prophecy that is in the book of Revelation, but there are mighty words that the Lord will share with anyone who picks it up and reads it. I'm just being honest. It's not really a book to be avoided because there's power in it power in the word. Every word of the Lord is powerful. None of it returns void, right? So as we sweep out of Revelation 21 and into Revelation chapter 22, what we're getting is a picture of the new Jerusalem. Okay, this is a whole different thing. This is, this is the eternal. Because I think for sometimes we forget we're on a timeline. You know, if you think about that woman all bound down and broken, she's she's kind of stuck in a position of always looking at the ground, or it's a struggle to look up and look around her. And isn't that true with us in a spiritual state of brokenness and bent over in the weight of the sin or the whatever? It's hard to see. It's hard to remember there's context here, that this is not just a drop in time. There's an eternal perspective. And the Lord Jesus interrupts that temporal thinking. And so he's showing us and he's revealing to us a future, a beautiful future, an impossible future for us without him. No more tears, no more sorrow, a beautiful river, crystal, crystal clear river of life, a tree of life that bears fruit once, once every month for 12 months, 12 different fruits. Pretty impressive. And it's all ours. This is the future that the Lord has secured for us if we choose to receive it. Right? Choice. Becoming the change leads us to a confrontation with choice. And the Lord says, Behold, in verse 7, that's probably not up there. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Blessed are you who know what I'm trying to say, who are willing to wrestle with it and grapple with it. But verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus says, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And the Lord Jesus says, I am the Alpha Alpha. The beginning, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am the final word. I was here before you. I am right here with you. And I will be with you until the end of the age. I am the final word. I am the last. No one sees past me. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. And may enter through the gates into the city, but outside are the dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. And I don't know if words in the, in the Bible ever just stick you deep, but I have wrestled with this scripture all week. Why? The woman who was healed on the Sabbath dat, that day was a daughter of Abraham. She loved the Lord enough to not allow her infirmity to stop her from coming and worshiping in his presence. Does that sound familiar? Can we put ourselves in those shoes? But she suffered with a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. And what I find interesting as we kind of pop back over to Luke for a second is that the Pharisees, of course, have a very different take on the whole situation, right? Because the Pharisees get all ticked off and the ruler of the synagogue says, I don't know why you're here, people. This is not healing day. Be gone with you. Do that tomorrow. And the Lord Jesus ends up putting him to shame and saying, where's your compassion? I may be paraphrasing. Is it not about this daughter of Abraham who's been bound and now she's been made free? But the interesting thing about the sorcerers and the dogs and the, you know, those who love and practice a lie is that we can easily become that. Because loving and practicing a lie involves a bit of comfort. And here's the reason I've been wrestling with this this week. I'm a very self-reflective person. I mean, I feel like that's something the Lord has gifted me with, that I am able to say, Father, open me up, poke around in there, and see what's wrong, and I want you to show it to me so that you can help me address that. And it's honestly, in my mind, one of the most precious gifts outside of God's word that he has ever given me because I want to know what's in there. I do. I really, really, really do. But the fact of the matter is, even so, sometimes it's easier to believe the lie. And I discovered this last week that there are things in there that I'm buying into. And depending on where it comes from, it can be very deep-seated. It can be part of the norm and the standard of my day. Like, I don't even fight it because it's just in there. I can't necessarily justify it by Scripture. Why? Because it's a lie. It's not going to be in Scripture. But it's something that I believe about myself. Can I share? My time is wrapping up, so I'm going to have to hurry. But I will say this. I realized this last week. I know none of you are going to be surprised because you've all probably heard me say something about this before. I'm a morning person, and I can be super annoying Right? I, I, I warn my clients that when they answer the phone at 8.05 in the morning, it's going to be, good morning. How are you? And they're like, no, no. Call me back at 10.30 after I've had a pot of coffee. And I've grown up and I've lived my life with this impression that I'm a very annoying person. That's true. I mean, sounds really crazy, right, or silly or something, but I have lived with that. And do you know I didn't know? I didn't know. So the Lord was so gracious to me this week that he popped that, that part of me open and he said, Melanie, look at this. I want you to be restored from this. And so this scripture in Revelation 22 of those who love and practice a lie, that word love is the Greek word phileo, which actually means the kind of love that comes from a sense of pleasure or gratification that you get from something. And I have, in my own case, kind of loosely translated that as it's easier to live with that lie than it is to confront it. Because who wants to wrestle, right? Right? It's easy for us to fall prey to lies. And without realizing it, to love and practice it, to put it into my life in a way that you've probably all, all of you who know me have probably heard me say something about how annoying I am in the morning or how I can never stay out of someone's way. I'm a realtor, so I'm showing houses all the time. I'm always in the way, literally Firmly, physically in the way of the person who's trying to get past me in the hallway or whatever. I mean, these things have come out of me because I believe that. And the Lord said, No, you're my precious daughter. I made you, I gave you that personality. And I had a friend of mine this week say, Melanie. uh, you're a joy. And I don't say that out of pride, trust me, because I'm not sure I even buy it yet. But what I'm saying is, that was a lie that was in my life that had to come out. And if I continue to love and practice a lie, what's the end of that road for me? Oh, I can't do anything for the Lord. I'm too irritating. I'm just going to drive everybody crazy all day long. And the end of that road is I don't even try. The end of the road is those works that the Lord prepared for me beforehand that I should walk in them. I don't walk in them because I'm bound up with fear and intimidation and whatever else. You name it, it's out there. It's the small things, guys, that have big consequences. And the Pharisees here in this poor lady's case are just so bound up with the tradition of Sabbath and the rules and the regulations, and we get that. Our God is a holy God. He is just. He is righteous. I mean, it says right there in Revelation, he's not going to let people in who defile his city. You're out. His judgment and his righteousness are true. And we need to walk in fear and awe of him. But, guys, I'm telling you, you will not find In this book of God's precious word, a place where he does not say, this is my judgment, but if. But if. You will see the word relent in the Bible. If we say that the Old Testament is all about judgment and the wrath of God, well, you know what? It is about the judgment and the wrath of God. You betcha, because there is that, and there will be that. But by no means is that all that the book of the Old Testament is about. Every opportunity God takes to say, but if, if you'll turn, if you'll seek my face, I want to heal you. I want to heal your land. I want to intersect you with the temporal and the eternal. I want to call you out from this place of dust and dirt. And I want to tell you, there is a place that I am making ready for you. And it's awesome. It's awesome. And we stand as people who must make a choice. Will we invest ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our strengths, our occupations in the here and now for today? in the dust and the dirt, and miss out on this beautiful eternity that the Lord has given to us. It's a finished work. It is given. It is complete because of what Jesus did on the cross. I have made my decision. Can you tell? I'll fail a zillion times over. I'll be humiliated a million times more. And that's a hard thing to mean. Because trust me, the minute I said that, I started failing a lot. And I don't like to fail. But the Lord said, I need to know that you actually mean that. That you're willing to put down the pride of life. And let me just use you. It doesn't have to be pretty. And guys, I'm super thankful for that. Because quite frankly, most of the time, it's not. But it's redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I want to read you this precious scripture in Ecclesiastes, another book. I don't think we're in enough. I happen to think that all the books of the Bible were not in enough. Like, they're all really cool. If you're avoiding the Torah, I'm telling you, you're missing out. It's awesome. The Lord is very complete. He doesn't leave anything out. Where do you learn that? The Torah, the book of the law. Surprise. There I was again. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 11. Let's talk about him first. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Even Jesus says, think about it. Think about it. And I'm saying, think about that Jesus makes everything beautiful. Everything beautiful in his time. Also, He's put eternity in their hearts, in the hearts of men, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. We have a hint. We have a hint. We see our little window of heaven. If we look up, if we trade the dust for the future that God has for us, if we trade the grime, if we trade all the lies, if we trade all the stuff, For the future that God has in store for us, then we see our little window. And step by step, he reveals himself to us in a way that only he can do. And he's put eternity in our hearts. That we long for it, that we go for it. I'm asking us as a church this morning not to ignore the eternity that the Lord has put inside of your heart. Do you mean it when you say, Lord, I give it all to you? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. If you're just looking at the dust and the dirt, you'll never do it. But if you're looking at the eternity that God has in store for you, you're so on board. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. God, only you can bring your word. Only you can express yourself in such a way that changes us from the inside out. And Father, I am so grateful. Thank you for this word this morning. Thank you for the eternity that you put in our hearts, that it tugs on us, that it pulls us, Lord, that it's asking for a response, Lord. You, by your Holy Spirit, are asking for a response. So, Father, I just ask that you send your spirit once again in this place, and that as you have Holy Spirit translated all these words into each heart, God, I ask that you would soften the will of men and women this morning, that they would respond to you with an openness and a fresh outlook that they've never, ever had before. God, we don't want to go back to yesterday's stuff. We want brand new today. Guys, I'm just going to put this to you honestly. This is a moment of decision. It is. Will you look at the dust forever? Will you miss out on the works that the Lord has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them? Are you going to do that? And it's your decision. It's not mine between you and Jesus, but I'm saying this is it. This is your moment. And I just want to suggest humbly to you, because I've seen what God can do, that you don't look at the dust anymore. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the kingdom and see what he does. It's amazing. If that's you and you're making a new decision today, If this is a new day for you and you're not going back to the old and you're not doing that anymore, then I'm asking you to just lift your hand up in the air so I can pray for you. Brand new day. Awesome. Awesome. Brand new day. And if you have yet to know this awesome, profound, beautiful Jesus, the one who changes everything, you have not yet accepted him into your life I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning because you know what, guys? His love changes everything for the better. If that's you and you have yet to receive the Lord Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior and give him this precious heart that he put inside of you for reals, would you just raise your hand and let me pray for you this morning? Knowing that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that Holy Spirit power. Lord God, I thank you so much for the goodness that only comes from you, God. This world brings nothing good to the table, but you do. And so, Father, for those who raise their hands this morning and they're ready to say, Lord, yes. For real, I mean it. Brand new life today, God. I want eternity in my heart. I want to see it. I want to live it. I want to rock it in Jesus' name. And I just ask, Lord, that you do amazing things today, God. I just ask for an infilling of the Holy Spirit like they have never experienced before. I just ask, Lord, that you rock their world with the power of your presence, with the joy, with the peace that surpasses all understanding. God, that you give them the energy for the road, that you stop the feeble knees, Lord, that you shore them up. That's my prayer for them today, Lord. And God, I thank you for that. It's amazing. You are amazing. And you are so beautiful, Lord. It is a joy to know you. Thank you for loving us, Father. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for making a way for us. Thank you, Lord. Guys, I just want to encourage you, you cannot be the change without becoming the change. Don't think you can. Cry out to the Lord in a brand new way today. And God bless you. We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us and we pray you have a blessed day.